You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti. I'm the producer and host for today's show, which is being recorded on location during the ABA Mid-Year Meeting at the George R. Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston, Texas. Joining me now is Mr. Scott Sharon. He is a panelist on the panel discussion called Student Loan, the Obligation of a Lifetime. Welcome. Hi. Good afternoon. So uh, I guess I just want to start off with a uh, just a, a question about you professionally. And the reason I want to do that is because the ABA is driven by a lot of volunteers. And so you're here uh, donating your time for this uh, panel discussion. And, and so I want to ask you what you do in your professional life. Uh, in my professional life, I'm a partner at Sharon and Lipschey. We are a debt collection law firm representing creditors for distressed debt in New York and New York, as well as creditor rights. Okay, and what's your role? My role is a partner, and uh, to tell you a little about our firm, our firm is over 40 years old. It's a family-owned firm, mom-and-pop type of firm. We've been a pioneer servicing the debt collection industry. We have a reputation, a renowned reputation of excellence, providing outstanding customer service and collecting the debts with sensitivity while developing a uh, respectful relationship with the consumers. Again, we represent creditors for recovery on distressed debt, creditors' rights in the states of New York and New Jersey. And we live by a motto that we have uh, throughout our office and on our letterhead. And we um, train into all our staff and employees, which is that we did not create the debt. We just collect the debt with sensitivity. And it is our goal in representing creditors for the recovery of the distressed debt that we do so with sensitivity and with empathy towards the consumer. As a firm, we try to empathize and understand the consumer and work with the consumer to offer different payment options uh, when necessary and proper within their guidelines, my clients' guidelines, that is, and empathize that life changes occur, things occur, and that it's not that somebody doesn't want to pay a debt, but a distressful circumstance occurred in that person's life, in that consumer's life, that sentiment, that that account to become delinquent and then into recovery. So we try to understand it, empathize, work with them, and try to get them back and rehabilitate them back into a good credit history. Okay. And uh, amongst the many debts that you guys uh, collect on, student loan debt is in your crosshairs, correct? Yes. We we represent a couple of tech schools, for-profit private schools, as well as an array of other delinquent accounts, consumer and commercial accounts. But yes, student loans is in there. Well, I just for the benefit of our audience, um, you're not just a, a debt collector of student loan debt, but you're also a holder of student loan debt. So I think that puts you in a, a special position to empathize with the uh, situation that people that are trying to pay off their student loans are in, correct? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I finished school with a lot of debt. Okay. May I, if it's not too personal, can I ask how much student loan debt you're in right now? I couldn't give you an exact number because it grows by the minute. But, <laughs> but no, seriously, um, I have probably over $160,000 in student debt. When I, when I got out of school, I am a single parent raising a child. So I had to take a little bit more loans. And as most people know, when you go to graduate school, the federal government caps out how much you can get after the undergraduate so I was stuck that I wanted to become an attorney, and I had already pretty much capped out my uh, federal, that I had no choice but to go to the private sector to take out the loans. I'm grateful to have had that opportunity to achieve my, my goal and to achieve the educational level that I, I required and desired. However, I, I have a lot of debt that I now have a lot of responsibility, and I understand that the interest continues to accrue, and I've been disciplined in my efforts to uh, be able to repay it and provide it for my, my son and myself as a single father. But 
it is quite overwhelming. What I do try to do with it is use it to the benefit of my firm. And as an attorney practicing in the legal collections area, um, I graduated with these debt burdens and student loans. It allows me to understand the perils that individuals face with their student loans. It uh, allows us to understand the student's burden or the, the post-student's burden. We understand that the consumers have to prioritize other expenses, whether it be medical, whether it be home, car, gas. If you can't work and you can't bring home a paycheck, then you, you can't pay. So we have to work within their means to understand that some bills and some loans are going to take precedence over our distressed debt that we are trying to collect on. Gotcha. I gotcha. You know, and I think it's a very serious thing. I think any time you're considering going for graduate work or you're, you're uh, doing your undergraduate work, I think that student loans need to take a front seat in consideration of where you go to school, what you're going to school for. And, uh, you know, I'm also a holder of student loan debt, and it's something that dominates uh, my thinking. You know, honestly, paycheck to paycheck, it, it's just one of those things, you know, save and make sure you have enough. And and the cost of education, I'm hearing more and more return on investment. That's the magic word. It's like the what? ROI. That's right, the ROI. And, and you know, I guess we all have to consider that. And I, I think that the, the rising cost of education and the ability, and it's quite easy to get these loans. I mean, it was very easy for me to get them. And all of a sudden, you're, uh, you know, up to your eyeballs in uh, debt. And now you got to pay it off. And I think, you know, combined, and a, a lot of attorneys in this situation, a lot of, you know, other disciplines are in this uh, uh, situation, you know, uh, compensation when you start your first job, you know, your first out of bat law job is not paying what it used to many years ago. And so maybe you entered school under one ROI model, return on investment model, and now you're suddenly subjected to a different financial model. And now you're in a lot of trouble. So I want to uh, segue into uh, your panel though a little bit. So I want to describe the panel because I think this is something that's very profound. I'm probably going to title this podcast this, Student Loan, The Obligation of a Lifetime. You guys are on a panel together. And uh, yes. tell me a little bit about your uh, co-panelists. Well, some of the co-panelists, we had ranging regulators from the CFPB, the FTC, Kentucky Attorney General, the Attorney General of Oregon, and Higher One Education, and myself. Myself being more of a representative for the young lawyer. Um, who did just graduate and is burdened by these debts. The interesting other part to me is that I also sit on the board of directors for the National Association of Retail Collection Attorneys as well as the New York State Creditors Bar Association. And by doing so, and, and thirdly, I'm sorry, the other reason for me being there is that I am a partner at a collection law firm that represents national brand creditors for student loans. So that certainly gives you a unique perspective on the panel. I guess so. Um, I, <laughs> for better, I for worse, yes. I guess, right? A little better, a little worse, a little in between. As a as a knocker and a New York State Creditors Bar Association board of director, what I think, and it was interesting, I wanted to get into you earlier, is you were 100% right. You don't know what you're getting into. You don't know what your return on investment is. I knew where I was going when I came out. I knew I was going into a mom-and-pop law firm. I knew I wasn't going to be making the $100,000-plus type job. I knew that I was going to be earning my way through um, working my way up and eventually becoming a partner within the family firm. I didn't know what to expect as far as a salary at that point. It would just go. I knew pretty much a base where I could work off of. But like many others, I, I had trials and tribulations going through law school, family, and different disruptions that caused hardships. And like many, I also fell behind, and so I had to defer my student loans. I had to get on an income-based program 
and unfortunately it hasn't always been to my benefit. What I would like to see now as a, as a board of director to Docker and to the New York State Creditors Bar Association is that the federal government put out more education or the school have to put out more education. You know, there was some sort of a click here and there and do you understand that you're getting into this debt and do you understand that you have a deferment possibility um, but probably not if it's private, only if it's federal. And, and it was very easy to get through. And if you got one wrong, they just asked you to redo the question again. But now you had three question choices as opposed to four. I think more education so that the student really knows what are they getting into? What do they expect to get out of it when they actually graduate? How are they going to be impacted? What is their budget going to look like? Do they need to take out as much money as they need to? during their time at the undergraduate or graduate school? And are they really taking this seriously and pursuing it and not just wasting money to later fail out? So I think that a lot of those need to come out. A lot of education needs to come forward for this problem to actually be resolved um, so that people really understand what's going on and what they're going to do and what their choices are. Well, you know, as a collector of uh, student loan debt, um, one of the questions I want to ask you, because you know, this happened to me, you know, I, I lost my job like many people did in the recession, and suddenly I found myself without the ability to make my monthly student loan payments. And so, you know, if somebody loses their job and they've lost their ability to repay these debts, you know, uh, for, from the collector's perspective, what advice would you give them? What, what are the first steps for somebody that can't pay their student loan debts right away? Call the creditor. Call your provider of student loans. Call... If it's in an agency, call the agency. If it's in a law firm, call the law firm. Be upfront with them. Be honest with them. Let them know you're going through a tremendous hardship. Try to offer something, even if it's nominal, and go through your entire budget. Find out what disposable income you may have. They, everybody understands, again, that you're going to have bills that are going to take priority and precedent over others. You, your mortgage is going to take priority and precedent. You have to live. You have to eat. You have to drive. You have to be able to get to work. Or you have to be able to search for another job. And you need that ability. You need running water to be clean. So be honest with people. Tell them, this is, after everything I have, this is what I can do. Maybe you can't start the payment program right away. Maybe you need to ask them, is there any way you can give me three months to get back on my feet? And then we can make a payment program. Maybe I could start out at a very low payment and I could gradually escalate that payment to get to be larger as we go over in time. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. The worst thing to do is hide, not answer the calls, and to be non-responsive. Because when you're non-responsive and nobody hears from you, then they're left with no other recourse. And national creditors want their recoveries. We live in an economy of credit, and credit in its own way increases jobs and increases the economy and allows consumers to purchase and experience benefits that are unavailable without credit. However, the creditor needs to have a means to collect or recoup the credit upon default. And without the, the viable relief afforded to the creditor, the system doesn't work. And we as attorneys represent them. And we represent them zealously as any other attorney would sure. represent any other discipline. But if you call us and you, just, and you open up that line of communication, at least I can only speak again, my firm, some narco firms, if you open up that line of communication and you're not trying to run away from it, we're going to try to work with you. We will do what we can to work with you. Otherwise, then we end up going down that unfortunate path of, uh, of going through the legal process. And then when you don't answer there, that's even worse because now you have a judgment on your record and that's going to affect you from getting a job. And that's the last thing anybody really truthfully wants to do is to hurt you not to get a job because if you don't have a job, you can't repay. 
When you and I were talking a little bit before the uh, before we started this interview, and we were talking about possibilities and discharge. And so, let's say you're in a situation where you know I called up, I talked with you, I talked with uh, I talked with Scott, and I said, "Hey, listen, I've lost my job. I, this is going to take me a while to get out of this hole. I've got a lot of life expenses. You know, I have a mortgage, I've got kids, I've got uh, you know I got to get to work. I need a suit. I have to be professional. And unfortunately, the first job I could get pays me half of what I used to make a couple years ago. Now it's an impossible situation. I can't get out of this easily. And of course, you know, the, the bankruptcy courts take care of a lot of this, you know, through restructures and, and allow people to make payments that they can make. But as every uh, person that has a student loan out there knows, in general, student loan debt is not forgivable in bankruptcy. So what does the proper candidate for a discharge of student loan look like? What do you need to present? Oh. You know what? That, that varies from state to state, jurisdiction to jurisdiction within those states, and then judges within those jurisdictions. And then you have to look at Chapter 7 versus Chapter 13 also. In Chapter 7, you have two different ways that a petition, an adverse proceeding, would, would get a determination. Um, and it would depend, again, on jurisdiction and judge to which test they're going to use. The two tests is the Bruner test, which has three requirements, and all three need to be satisfied. The first part is that the debtor cannot maintain based on the current living income and expenses, a minimal standard of living for the debtor and the debtor's spouse or family, their dependents, if they were still forced to repay the student loan. So if the student loan puts you in a position that you absolutely cannot, you know, you're you're not even making your ends meet, forget about a minimal payment, forget about even just a, a nominal payment of good faith, then that's the first part of the prong. The second part of the prong is additional circumstances exist that this is going to continue on for a given period of time and a significant portion of the repayment period of the student loans. So you now need to show that you can't make the means, you can't live in the minimum level, and that this is going to occur for a substantial amount of time into the near future and with no reason to believe that it's going to change. And the third is that you originally made good faith efforts, like while you were working, and you did have the means and the income, that you were paying it back. So that's one test. And in that test, even if you hit the three prongs, again, it comes down to the judge's discretion if it's going to be dischargeable or not. And if you want, I, I could go into a couple of different examples of what could be dischargeable what would not be dischargeable possible. That'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, the second test that the courts would use would be the totality of circumstances. And that's really taking one, two, and three of the prong from the Bruner test and, and, and putting them all together and letting the judge determine if an undue hardship exists or not. And whether it's the Bruna test or the totalitarity test, it's still up to the judge. Sometimes they've discharged none of it. Sometimes they've discharged part of it. And that's under Chapter 7 and partially under Chapter 13. But Chapter 13 could bring you a little bit more success possibly in that at the end of the day, if you go into Chapter 13 and you reorganize and you submit a plan to repay your creditors over time from future income, these plans sometimes will allow you to get caught up on the student loan or on mortgages or cars for that fact. Now, the student loan doesn't get discharged, but it becomes on a payment plan, and it could be an advantage to you in a Chapter 13 because your loan holder won't determine any longer the size of the payment but the trustee. So the trustee is going to look like my firm would look at What's your financial position? We have people fill out financial fact sheets so that we can understand where their income goes. And the court would do the same and see what would be left over and then say, okay, there's X amount left over. If we put that out for Y amount of years, the credit will be paid back a substantial amount of the principal balance, and the court may deem that as fair. So Chapter 13 may allow 
a little bit more, but it's a very strict and rigid rule, and it's very biased to the judge in the jurisdiction to determine which test and whether or not they're going to accept the test for dischargeability and, and puts us all at, um, at a position that we got to pay it back. I mean, we all want to pay it back. And I think everybody takes out these loans with the best intentions to pay it back. But again, circumstances arise that change people's lives. Um, as me and you spoke before, there are people that, that I meet that are just the smartest people in the world. And they've been handed a, a deck of cards of twos, threes, fours, six and nine, and none of them the same suit. Then you find this other person who may not be the smartest individual in the world, but somehow got, got, a, got a hand of three aces and two kings. You show me who's going to win that. You know, so sometimes it's just, it, it just comes down to luck in life, and it's unfortunate. It would be nicer if there was a little bit more dischargeability in bankruptcy um, as a consumer now speaking, not as a collection attorney. Right, right. But as a consumer, I'd like to see more. But as a collection attorney, it doesn't affect me one way or the other because it's not something I would personally bring up. I would think it would be very poor taste to bring it up to a student or, or somebody that's graduated trying to handle their student loans and say, hey, you know, you need to pay this back because it's not dischargeable. Right. It, it would just be very poor taste. You know, and between, uh, you know, total discharge of, of, your, uh, of your debt, you know, or uh, some type of restructure, I mean, the lending institutions will work with you in a lot of different ways and, and a, lot of the, a couple different programs. One, one that uh, sticks out to mind is income-based repayment. Um, another one, which I used um, be, uh, because I was calculating the numbers, was, you know, I put my loans in deferment. Went into forbearance. I deferred paying back. And yeah. uh, one of the downsides of that, obviously, is that that whole time you're not paying, you know. Your interest is still rising. The interest is compounding. And uh, the principal, the underlying principal grows. And so when I finally turned the light switch back on my loans, I mean, I ended up uh, owing more than when I started off paying them. I, I'm very much in the same position as you. And remember that deferment and income-based repayment programs are only federally based. Right. They're not. You still got the, they're not, the private loans. They're not generally. Generally, there are private companies that that do work with them. I can tell you, I have private, and my private have given me deferments, and they've given me income-based payments. But those are generally federal, and and those work better in the federal system the way that they have them set up. And like you're saying, I've been in an income-based repayment program, and. I owe more today than I did four years ago when I started paying off my student loans. And I've paid every month, and I pay quite a bit. I mean, I don't, I don't pay a minimal amount, a nominal amount, at least not in my eyes. And over the four years, I've paid a substantial amount of money to the point where it's amazing to me that my student loans keep increasing as opposed to going down. But as I said earlier, I understand the obligation, and I understood what I got into and what the interest and. I will stand by it, and I will do the best I can to get through it. Well, I want to leave uh, the audience today with a few takeaways. And so the first two, I think, um, you know, the first one to thank you so much for, you know, everybody out there who's having some hard times paying your student loans back, and you get to a point where, um, where you know, you've decided that you can't possibly make the payment back. I think one good takeaway is, you know, call, call your creditor Absolutely. right away and try to work with them. And I think that's one. And I think uh, another takeaway I get here is that, you know, do the best you can. I know that lawyers are not, you know, uh, financial majors or anything like that, for, you know, for, in, in general. But, you know, do the best you can to understand the, the workings of principal and interest and, and understand compounding, you know, how quickly your debt piles up when you're not paying it. 
And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a good, a good place to go. Like uh, one of the things I always tell everybody, uh, you know, obviously you need to run this through a spreadsheet, you know, maybe, maybe talk with a, a financial advisor if, it, if it's complex, if you have complex finances, but, you know, try to prepay your loans, you know, when times are good. You know, prepay. You, know, you get there's problems with that too, though. Of course, there are. That's why there you got to get penalties them. there, right, so they get you each way. Well, right, and that's what you need to talk with your creditor about whether or not there's you a penalty. You need to for really that. call them, and, and like you said, keep an open line of communication. Call your creditor. Call call whoever the student loan provider is. See what you can work out. See if you can work around some of those penalties. Some will work with you. I, I can't say all well. No, well, you know, I've got one more and one more takeaway. This is something you can help uh, help us with. I think you're in a unique position to uh, to help us with this because you're on both sides of this fence. You know, let's say uh, you know, 20 years from now, your son's going to law school. All right, and, you know, you're considering. You know, I, I like law. I, I want to work in law. You know, and, and student loans are a lot. But what is the best piece of advice you can give someone thinking about taking out debt before they seek a career, whether it's in medicine or law, but what's the single best piece of advice you can give? Shop around. Shop around? Look at, look at all the options that you have. Put together a budget of what you really need. See what you really need to get through. Remember that this is school, and uh, maybe keep it to the minimal, and, and, and don't worry about having to go out so much. Keep your expenses as low as possible. Um, it's, it's advice I wish I had when I was younger, but to keep everything uh, as copacetic as normal as possible as as low as possible budget yourself take only what you need no more than what you need um and if you need more find more work go, go get a better part-time job or get another part-time job i mean because you will cripple yourself now that's not to say that there are people that won't need to have to do what i did and won't be in a circumstance like i was as well where i lost half of my income coming into my family and had to keep things going at the same time and go to law school. So, But at least if you go through those drills, I mean, but, you're going into it wide, right. eyes at least, wide open. At least your, your eyes are wide open and you know that when you graduate, you know, it's going to take me a long time, but, but it is what it was. And it, without that, I wouldn't have been able to get through it. But try to go through, as you said, with your eyes wide open. Look at it. Talk to your family members. Talk to the guidance counselors. Talk to all the counselors in the school, financial aid. Find out exactly what you're getting into. Find out if there's any other loans that are available out there. Go to your local bank. See if they have a better interest rate. Maybe they have a better interest rate and a better program. You don't know. So go and look at all all avenues before you make it and uh, be an educated consumer. That's the best best advice I can give you. Well, it looks like that's a great place to leave it as we've reached the end of our time. I want to thank uh, Mr. Scott Sharon for joining us today and giving us some great advice. And if our listeners want to reach out to you and learn a little bit more about this and you have some time to donate, how can they get a hold of you? You can always go to, to my website at Sharon and Lipschey, and, and there's a contact section there, and you could write an email. The email will come to me, and I'll be happy to uh, reply to you as quickly as I can. All right, well, thank you so much. Well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Consult a lawyer.